5: Welcome, your
4: B-F-S. And with that, we welcome you inside of Studio 34. This is the BFFs. Here is Frank Stample. I am Greg Salsman Frank, hey, what's going on, bud? Greg, I was shaking my head at you. I, I noticed, Frank. All right, just making that sure. That was like an exaggerated one after yesterday's debacle.
6: What's going on, man? Happy Thursday. Here to talk about the first base position for Fantasy Baseball. Uh, not nearly the position that it once was, Greg, but before we do all that, how'd you sleep last night,
4: buddy? I slept very, very well. Very well. Uh,
6: Greg's getting a good night of sleep outside of, obviously, the Judy debacle. Disaster. Disaster. Um,
4: but last night, I slept great. Uh, I, I really like waking up feeling refreshed. It was awesome. Nice. Love it. No trouble in paradise, huh? Not going. No, over. no trouble in paradise right now. <laughs> Sleeping well, things are good. Feeling good, feeling strong. Nothing but love. Might not be too good if you're Garrett Cole, Greg. Wow, that guy stinks. I feel like we shouldn't draft him now. That's it. We're out. I, like him. I didn't give up six runs to the Detroit Tigers. Four home runs to two ah. players.
6: None. Ah. Travis Demerit. Who's that guy?
4: Who's Miguel Cabrera? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Miguel Cabrera.
6: Who's that? This guy. Guy looks a little slim down this year, Greg. We're talking first base today.
4: Uh-huh. Where is he ranked for you? Little little corner infield action? Where is where, he ranked? I don't know that I have him ranked. Uh, for me, Miguel Cabrera Uh <laughs> I, I, I don't have him ranked. Unranked, so he's number 34. Oh, no, I have him 33. I lied. I have him at 34. So I move him ahead of Dan Vogelbach? Uh, I can move him ahead of Michael Chavis, who qualifies at first baseman. in Yahoo. Yeah. I think we'll probably just leave Miguel Cabrera where he is. Yeah, seems that seems fair. Uh, on the program today, more first basemen to talk about problem is, I, I said this to you while making the rankings for first base and second base, there aren't many good players that play these two positions. And it's very hard to fill both a first base spot and then a corner infield spot. I mean, third base is deep enough, I guess. but Absolutely. At first base, this is bad. Oh, I just got a text that um, Eric Coles fever, which means he probably has coronavirus, which is why.
6: <laughs> well, I don't know. Is it in Florida? Uh, it's, it's everywhere.
4: That's bad. Uh, can we, we have five first basemen that we like. There's a lot of first basemen we don't like. Hopefully, today we can find first baseman we like. We also can learn a lot more from Sean with this news update.
5: Thank you, Greg. I'm Sean Guaslamakian with your PFF Sports Grid News Update. College basketball, Mountain West quarterfinals. We have number five San Diego State in action right now. They trail Air Force by three, 27-24. Your FanDuel Sportsbook Live. Betting lines, San Diego State, eight and a half point favorite still, one forty-eight and a half your live total. Let's go to the Big South quarterfinals. NC, that's UNC Asheville against Gardner Webb. They hold a one-point lead in the first half, 25-24. Gardner Webb, a four and a half point live favorite, one forty-eight and a half your live total. One final from earlier today. It was Winthrop 106, 70 winners over South Carolina upstate. That was in the other big South. Quarterfinal matchup. All right, let's move over to Major League Baseball and spring training. One note Garrett Cole started for the New York Yankees against the Detroit Tigers, lasted just two innings, giving up six earned runs, including two home runs to Miguel Cabrera. All 30 MLB teams are in action on the spring training slate. Some off the field news the Red Sox, they have signed right hander Colin McHugh. To a one-year deal the designated right-hander Hector Velasquez for assignment, McHugh, 32, spent the previous six seasons with the Houston Astros. Was four and five with a 4.70 ERA in 74 innings last year. As for the Red Sox ace Chris Sale, an MRI has revealed Sale has a flex flexor s- strain. Sorry, flexor strain in his pitching arm will be shut down for. Another week. interim manager, Ron Renneke, updated sales status on Thursday. Morning telling reporters that the MRI revealed no notable damage to the left-hander's elbow. Other baseball news, Aaron Judge hopes to be ready to go for opening day, but he is, quote, frustrated that the doctors haven't determined the cause of soreness in his pectoral area near his right shoulder judge told reporters that he will undergo more tests. Stay tuned on that one. And in the NBA, Steph Curry returns to action. He has played in just four games this season for the Golden State Warriors. He is recovering from a broken left hand. He will be on a minutes restriction, expected to play between 24 and 28 minutes when the Warriors take on the Raptors tonight. That is your BFF Sports Grid news update. Now back to Greg Frank, guys.
6: All right, we're going to get into the first base position here on the show from a fantasy baseball perspective. But like we do every day here on the Fantasy BFS, so we give you a little snippet of tonight's NBA DFS preview. And Greg Sussman was with Davis Maddock earlier today from DailyRoto.com uh, as they did the NBA tip drill telling you why you should have Andrew Wiggins in your lineups tonight.
4: To the small forward position, Alec Burks' former team, Andrew Wiggins, is on there now and doing well enough to be considered to put in your lineups. I think everyone's gonna be looking at Steph Curry and his return tonight, which makes Andrew Wiggins potentially undervalued.
6: Yeah, I think it definitely makes him undervalued. So just actually right before you and I got on air, Steve Kerr talked to the media said that Steph Curry is gonna play at most in six-minute bursts. For sure, less than 30 minutes, and probably closer to 25 minutes in his return. So that leaves, you know, a, a- big portion of this game for andrew wiggins to just continue doing what he's been doing which is playing with a bunch of uh you know to to put it kindly a bunch of g league players right like these guys on the warriors roster right now these guys are are mostly scrubs you know it would be very surprising to me if juan toscano anderson is on the warriors roster next year so it's given it just gives wiggins a lot of usage and is gonna play you know a ton of minutes without step tonight that was Davis Maddock from com Earlier today on the NBA Tip Drill, you can catch that every single day here on the Sports Grid YouTube channel over at NBA Fantasy as well on Twitter. Uh, and Greg, since Andrew Wiggins has joined the Golden State Warriors, We've seen a lot more defensive statistics out of him. He's getting a bunch of steals, a bunch of blocks, which obviously if you play on FanDuel, you get three fantasy points per defensive number. So Andrew Wiggins, a name to
4: look at tonight in NBA DFS. A little unheralded out there in Golden State with Steph Curry back tonight, and that's what Davis and I obviously chatted about a little bit earlier on. Let's move on to the first baseman, Frank, where, again, we were just trying to name some names of players that we wanted to draft to play at first base uh, in our auction, which is one week from today. And uh, we've landed on nobody, Frank. <laughs> yeah, Greg, we this is an issue.
6: We got a little trouble in paradise here in terms of uh <laughs> we do, because I want, figuring like, out the option. I want fun players.
4: Frank's like, Oh, you just draft Sonny Gray. I'm like, oh my god. Greg so wants right. fun players. Yeah. Yeah. All about fun. Right. Zero fun, sir. That's you.
6: Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll see. You just said why don't we draft Luke Void as our starting first baseman? Fun. The guy might not have a job halfway through the season, oh, Greg. I mean, that's not correct. He hasn't been able to stay healthy either, by the way. He is You're gonna healthy. downgrade Clayton Kershaw. Yeah to downgrade Luke Voigt. Why? <laughs> Injuries. He's not like an
4: injury-prone guy. Luke Voigt? Yeah.
6: He's coming off a major core surgery. Well, he's
4: fine now. All right, but how long will it last? Uh, the whole season. I hope you're right. I, I will be. Don't worry. Then I named a whole bunch of other options at first base. Frank didn't like any of them. So well, You know what Frank says. Same thing he says every day. Well, just drive Jose Abreu. Doesn't matter. Always. Jose Abreu is always the answer at first base. And I like Jose Abreu. Oh, I do. I need to know. He's
6: expensive, man. But well, well, worth it. All right, where do you want to start, Greg, at the uh, first baseman? Do you want to just dive into Jose Abreu? Is that the first player you want to talk about? You want me to tell you why he's the best first baseman of all time? Yeah, that'd be actually great. <laughs> that'd be ideal, yeah. All
4: right, well, I don't know that he's the best well, this first baseman be, this be one of, those of all days, time. Greg. You know how, like, right. we've really struggled to, like, get to our top 20 list here? Yes. He's not going to be one of those days. There's just not enough first baseman There's not enough. Go no. Yeah. Alright, do you want to start with Jose Bray? Yeah, let's go. All right.
6: Please take it. Look, after a bang wasting time. After a banged up twenty eighteen. Yes, I'll give you your time to talk about Luke Voigt, Greg, later <laughs> on the show. Uh he bounced back major last year, and I was all over Brayu last year. I didn't understand why people were downgrading him. Obviously, uh, dealt with a very unfortunate situation back in twenty eighteen, if you remember correctly, Greg, that involved testicular torsion. Just leave it at that when it comes to Jose Abreu. Mitch uh, has has. Bounced back last year. Did you know he led the American League in RBIs? I did. With 123? Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, Greg, but the lineup for the White Sox got even better. Sure did. So he had 123 RBI last year. I'm not going to project him for that, but I think he's going to be well over 100. They add Edwin Encarnacion. Luis Robert is tearing up the spring right now. Eloy Jimenez, a lot of people expect him to take the next step. And at the top of the lineup, we haven't even mentioned yet, Juan Moncada, Tim Anderson. Obviously, if you're playing an OBP or in a head-to-head points league, Jose Brio gets dev- devalued a little bit there, Greg. Uh, right around a 6% walk rate, He's not going to walk very much, but consistently hits for a 280-plus batting average. 30-plus home runs. He's just solid, man. And I understand the auction price, 15-team leagues over at the NFBC, his uh, AAV right now is around $20, $21. I understand that's a big price to pay, but I think for the consistency and the safe floor out of Jose Abreu, I don't mind paying that price. I have already have a few shares of Jose Abreu taking him in the fifth round, Greg.
4: I like it. Were you in a better lineup than even last year. Is in a good spot. The only thing is, I feel like people are coming on to him in an auction. He's at twenty one dollars, which is not nothing, Frank.
6: It's expensive. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, uh, some other names right around that range: Paul Goldschmidt over the past week, twenty dollars. Anthony Rizzo, twenty dollars. People are finally starting to realize. Come down, Rizzo. Yeah. Be, yeah. Like the, I think it's actually going a little bit too far the other way now in Rizzo because I've said for years, Greg, I didn't understand why Rizzo was going two, three rounds ahead of Jose Abreu, sometimes $5, $10 yep. more yep. than Jose Abreu in an auction. Now it feels like it might be going a little bit too far the other way right. with Anthony Rizzo. And, you know, if you can get him in the fifth, sixth round, obviously plays much better in OBP formats. I can't I, wait to see the day you get him. I don't mind. Actually, I don't mind Anthony Rizzo at this point. Like, if we can get Rizzo at 20 bucks, Greg,
4: I'm fine with it. Oh, my God.
6: Now he doesn't want Anthony Rizzo. I, I will I say this. Anthony Rizzo is not a fun player. So I will agree with you on that.
4: He's, he's, he's rock he's solid. He's Mr. RBI Groundout. He's rock solid, What he Drake. does. We're not doing this. We do, Mo- Jose Abreu is still did, better. We did that in the GDD already.
6: Jose Abreu is my fourth-ranked first baseman, Greg. He's my fifth-ranked right.
4: I have. I wonder if you have...
6: Don't test me. I'll, I'll put him ahead of Pete
4: Alonso. Don't test me, Greg. I have Matt Olson ahead of him. i Matt Olson. let we'll fun find out what Frank thinks about Matt Olson. we come back next.
3: I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. The red Sox
5: in 2004 bounced back after three and all in a winner chicken dinner. Homie.
3: The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're gonna dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to games with names on the iHeartRadio Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Frank and
4: I are doing a ton of research. This is great. And this is... So I was talking to Davis Maddock today before the tip drill. I was asking him about fantasy baseball and if he plays or not. He's like, I've been watching you and Frank. You guys really love fantasy baseball. And I was like, I think Frank does. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Like, I do. Just kidding, but not really. I I know you love fantasy baseball. I really love fantasy baseball also. I like fantasy basketball a lot too. Um, They're both every day. It just never ends. And you know me. I mean, like... You're crazy with it. Like, you're naming all these guys I've never heard of. But like Mauricio Dubon. We didn't even get to him yesterday. You know I, I still don't know who that guy is. <laughs> I don't remember. Struck out on a nasty slider from Kershaw last He night. sucks. No. Um, but like these conversations we're having during the break, like I love it. I really do. Is that the stuff we should be broadcasting, Greg? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
6: It's basically just me introducing a player that I want in our auction and Greg being like, eh, I don't know about that player. And then him going to another player and then me me being like, eh, I don't know about that player, Greg. And that's basically it. Well, we
4: agree <laughs> on certain players. Very few. Not very few. There is, are a few. That's not true. <laughs> like, there's been a lot of guys we have talked about this spring or winter that we're both in on. I will reveal it right now.
6: I won't say who, but we have our catcher position filled out, both of them. We did? Shortstop. <laughs> he doesn't even remember. I don't remember. The shortstop. Oh,
4: I remember the bad catcher.
6: Shortstop in third base. Yeah. Our outfielder one. You probably don't remember that one. Is it the one? Is it the one? Is it the expensive one or no? Banging on a trash can. Uh, our fourth and fifth outfielders. And we have all of our pitchers filled out already. Greg, come on. We're doing great. I love our pitching staff. As long as Sonny Gray's not on it. Yeah. That's the thing. The thing is, our pitching staff is like $150 of our budget. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? It's great pitching staff. We're, we're going the other way. Everyone tells you 65% of your budget I don't on agree hitters. With that. We're going 65% you of our budget on pitching. I don't agree with that. I want all pitching. Well, Greg, you do start more hitters than you do pitchers, so. It's still
4: only five categories, right?
2: Four, six, eight,
4: ten. Only five categories is not
6: Frank. Thirteen hitters compared to nine
4: pitchers. It's still only five categories. That's right. Great. Right. That's a win all the pitching categories. Is there trading in this league? Uh, yeah, I believe there is. So we'll, we'll get all pitching. People always need pitching. It's true. Always need it. All right, Greg, first base. All right, let's go back to first base. I mentioned Matt Olson before the break. That is a different that you difference that you and I have. I have Matt Olson as my number four first baseman. You have Matt Olson as your number five first baseman without actually looking down at your sheet. Um, I have at six, actually. You have, who do you have? <laughs> Anthony Rizzo. I have Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how I
6: became the Anthony Rizzo guy now. I love it. I actually
4: dropped Anthony Rizzo um, after I sent the graphics. After
6: in. years of me bashing him, you finally
4: bought in. I, I feel much better about this. I have Olsen at four, Abreu at five, Rizzo at six. You have the same players, just a little bit of a different order. Um, and I know what this says here. ignore that. Um, why do you have, why do you like Matt Olson? Wait, just like Matt Olson. No, I I like Matt Olson a lot. And maybe this is
6: like a slippery slope fallacy of mine so far in the draft season, Greg. But whenever I find early to mid round players that do not contribute in batting average and only give you power and nothing else, I am pivoting away from those players more often than not. Okay. Because I've convinced myself that, well, if you're going to take Matt Olson in round five, or if you're going to spend... $20 Twenty to twenty-two dollars in an auction on Matt Olson. Why don't you just wait and get Reese Hoskins? Like five rounds later, my man. And he's you know, look, the batting average might be lower than Matt Olson, two forty hitter, but what are you expecting out of Reese Hoskins? Thirty, thirty-five home runs, good counting stats, obviously gets on base, good ballpark to hit in. So maybe this is a fallacy of mine, and only time will tell. But I've basically been pivoting away from. Any hitters in the early rounds that only give you power and nothing else. I mean, look at the busts that I, I've called out so far. Aaron Judge, I'm not on. Uh, Pete Alonso, I'll tell you why I'm not on him for basically the same reasons I'm telling you. I'm probably not going to draft Matt Olson. Uh, I just want to get batting average at least, or stolen bases in those early rounds. And I think that Anthony Rizzo is probably going to hit 280 plus. I think that Jose Abreu is probably going to hit 280 plus. Matt Olson is great. He might hit 50 home runs this season, but he's probably not going to hit more than 250. If we're just being honest. Totally. The guy has struggled against left-handed pitching. He has struggled to hit an OCO as well. But what I will say about, about Matt Olsen, Greg, is that his stat cast page is just ridiculous. Sure. It's like Cody Bellinger. Yep. It's like Cody Bellinger light. It's, it, there's red everywhere, which is a good thing. He was 94th percentile or better in barrel percentage, average exit velocity, expected slugging percentage last year, and hard contact rate. And that was coming back from a ham eight bone injury which is just crazy. Like You don't normally see stuff like that. Matt Olsen has ridiculous power. Awesome batting stance as well, where he just like holds the bat out here uh, like crazy. Good lineup to hit in, obviously. Not a great ballpark, Greg. I think he hits between 250 and 260. Uh, conservatively project 40 home runs. It wouldn't surprise me if he approaches 50. He has that type of power. So This doesn't contribute batting average,
4: Greg, which is so why I have right. him six. And, and, I, and I understand that, but I have to ask... And a, for anyone who wants Pete Alonso out there, how just was, take Matt Olson 3 rounds later. That was literally the question I was about to ask you. It's not 3 rounds so much anymore right. though. So Matt Olson is 52 in the NLEC over the past 2 weeks. Okay. Um, Pete Alonso is 31. So it's 20 uh 21 picks essentially. Fine, yeah. A round and a half, a round and a half or, or two, two rounds if round you're in playing a 12 team league, league. Yeah. yeah. So that's if you exactly want Peter the question. Alonzo, I was just ask
6: take him. Matt Olson 2 rounds later. Right. The it, stack has numbers. The, it, power, it, the power numbers are actually better for Matt Olsen than they are for
4: Pat. And uh, if he can get the average Alonso. up, you're talking about Reese Hoskins, five rounds later, in all honesty.
6: Same kind of thing. Yes. So the thing is, Greg, am I doing that too much? Am I taking that too far? Because what happens? All right, you say, all right, well, I wanted Pete Alonso, but you're right, Frank. I can wait. I can get Matt Olsen. Oh, crap. Someone took Matt Olson out from under me. Next thing you know, oh, I missed out on Reese Hoskins. If you just keep thinking like, oh, I can wait and get someone that's similar. Well, I haven't answered that. Eventually, you wait. might not get that well, player. I haven't answered that one too. Edwin Encarnacion. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you miss out on him, Greg? Well, I was like CJ well, Crone. There's
4: way too many first baseman you missed out on. Then yeah, you probably then, won't miss then, out on that. Then,
6: then it's your fault. That's probably like Christian Walker. But, but I do like I met I like Matt Olson, but probably point. Probably more so in in a in a points league just because you don't have to worry about the batting average.
4: So I'm going to go back to the same question that we keep going, where we keep trying to tackle, and you you name some of the players that we kind of have in our heads for this auction, and they're all really very solid guys. I like where our heads are at. Where are you finding speed? Like, the guys that we have have
6: no speed. So, last year in the NFBC main event, I wound up drafting D Gordon for speed. Yeah. And that didn't work out. He had a terrible season. And, And you've heard people kind of caution you about this in the past. And I basically had to live through it myself to learn my lesson. I don't like taking the players that you expect, outside of a Trey Turner, I don't mind taking Trey Turner. That you expect to give you 35-plus stolen bases. Than we are. I like taking the guys that just chip away, Greg. 20. 12 to 15 here, 12 to 15 there. Maybe get a guy who gives you a 20 to 25, someone like uh, an Oscar Mercado or a Victor Robles who can give
4: you 30. You write like, one of those guys down, so don't forget. What, Oscar Mercado, Victor okay. Robles? Write them down. Yeah, I mean, I have mental notes in my oh, mind. I'm going to write them down because you, you really follow the notes in the draft. All right, I
6: will, I will write down the names. But uh, a lot of my drafts so far, Greg, have been just chipping away. A lot of Javier Baez shares, Manny Machado, eight to ten stolen bases, uh, maybe like a Tim Anderson, close to twenty stolen bases, someone like that. I- I'm just chipping away. I don't want the Malik Smiths. I don't want. Uh, I don't mind a Jonathan VR, but he's not really a target of mine. I we went over our second base and shortstop ranks, Greg. I would rather have Ozzie Albies chipping away, fifteen to twenty stolen bases. Kessin Hira, twelve to fifteen stolen bases. Just get a bunch of these guys, and then at the end of your draft, you look up and you realize, oh well. I got six or seven of these guys. i projected for 100 stolen bases, and that's perfectly fine. You can compete with that.
4: I just want to remember, like, we need that category at some point.
6: No, you're right because all the players so far that I'm looking at the list right now, we we don't have much speed on this that's team usually that you, we're projecting. This for This is usually like your like
4: your side of things. Right. But I, no, it's a fair you, question. Yeah, and
6: you're not going to get it at the first base position.
4: No, unless
6: sure, you yeah. draft like Danny Santana or Yuli Gurriel, who will give you like. Maybe five to eight stolen bases. Well, you
4: bases. mentioned stolen bases at first base. I think it's a good time to talk about Paul Goldschmidt because for years, Paul Goldschmidt was a crazy, a thirty stolen base threat at the first base spot. You're like, oh my God, this is a guy that literally go 30-30 at first base. That was crazy. Now, you expected a really big year in his first year in St. Louis. You didn't really get it, although the second half way better than this first half. I have Paul Goldschmidt ranked as my eighth ranked first baseman. Are you backing in on Goldie, or are you like? I think he's on the wrong side of his career here. I'm out.
6: Yeah, so Paul Goldschmidt falls into the Chris Bryant and Jose Altuve category for me, Greg. I'm not going to have any shares of Paul Goldschmidt this season. I have him down at uh, my as my 10th first baseman. As I'm of at 8th, so it's not that far. Yeah, it's not. No, it's nothing egregious by any means. But uh, it was a solid season with St. Louis. We saw the batting average dip all the way down to 260. What the he expect the batting average there? What I don't like, it was only 262. So it's not really like, you know, he was unlucky last year. We could expect some positive regression in the batting average department. What I really don't like, Greg, is it's two years in a row now that we've seen the plate discipline start to slip. for Paul Goldschmidt, uh, the K percentage up over 24% two years in a row. His 11% walk rate, which is still really good. I understand that. If you play in OBP or an points League, I think Paul Goldschmidt is still a fine, viable first baseman. There's nothing wrong with him. But his 11% walk rate is the lowest it's been since 2012, his 31% chase rate last year was the highest of his career. 11% swinging strike rate, the highest since his rookie season. So I just see the plate discipline starting to slip a little bit, Greg. I don't think the, the Cardinals have a great lineup. And I looked into his OPS by month, Greg. you, do league average OPS. It's like 758. Yep, yep. His OPS by month last year, 753, 745, 583, 1085, 705, and 953. There were four months last year out of a six-month season where Paul Goldschmidt was worse than a league-average player.
4: I'm not in. In a roto league, though, he did have over 30 home runs for the third consecutive year. Four out of five years, he did have close to 100 runs scored, close to 100 RBI. When it was all said and done, yeah, he's fine. Season. He's not going to steal anymore. He's just not. nope, nope, nope. I he's mean, the, the stolen
6: bases just continue to decline. With 30 to 18 yeah. to seven to three. Maybe he gives you three to five, but I mean, he's not counting kind of stolen bag, bases you know. anymore for Paul but, Goldschmidt. But can we see the counting stats start to come back even a little bit more in that lineup, Greg? I don't think that the Cardinals have a very good lineup. They lost
4: Marcelo Zuna, remember. So I think what's really, what's really interesting is the two years, 2018-2019, they're the same. The only difference is the average went down, and that points to the plate discipline that you pointed out a few moments ago. I think what you're seeing is what you get from Paul Goldschmidt at most. I don't think you see anything increase. I, right. I think it's only and what if the batting average continues to slip a little bit, bit? Yeah. What If it goes down to 250, I will say his Bavitt was around 300. Traditionally, it's been around 340, like he's a career 348 Bavitt, right? So it was he was unlucky last year in that regard. But I don't think you're gonna see the 290 to 300 player anymore, nope. you're gonna be closer to 360, and again. This type of these type of numbers are fine from a first base. He's fine. He's a fine he is fallback fine. option at first. Correct. Base. That's what he is. But you, just don't expect upside. Exactly. We just talked about Matt Olson and missing out on him and missing out on Peter Alonso. Paul Goldschmidt's fine in that regard with Reese Hoskins and those types of players. He's not a superstar anymore. And that's the deal with Paul Goldschmidt.
3: I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time.
2: In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: Billy said, hey, if you don't get Pete Alonzo, you can go this way. Peter Alonso is not an active target of ours. He hit all those home runs last year. He was amazing last year in his rookie season for the Mets. And maybe he is just as good in his second year, but we did th- expect some regression here. Um, Frank, why don't you take a few minutes to spend on Peter Alonso?
6: Yeah, look, it's very similar to the uh, what we said about Matt Olsen. You could just get him a little bit later on. And, look, if you expect Pete Alonso to come close to hitting 50 home runs again this upcoming season, then you should be drafting him. But I think anyone who uh, realistically does projections probably has him in the 40, the low 40s range this upcoming season, which is still really good. But what I have to say about what he did last year, Greg, is that his 90.6 mile per hour average exit velocity was in the 78th percentile in baseball that ranked 53rd among qualified hitters last year. So he doesn't hit the ball nearly as hard as some of the other big name sluggers in the league. Guys like Aaron Judge, Miguel Sano, uh, Nelson Cruz, Fran Reyes, uh, all those guys hit the ball way harder than Pete Alonso consistently. Uh, and his slugging percentage in the second half last year, Greg, dropped from 634 to 522. You know, obviously, it was his rookie season, right? Like. We couldn't expect him to keep up a 634 slugging percentage for the entirety of the season. I get that, but I just think that you could get similar production out of players later on in the draft, and it wouldn't even surprise me if Matt Olsen outproduces Pete Alonzo this year, Greg, and you're getting him two rounds later. So uh, just realize, if you take Pete Alonso in that second, third round range, you are passing up on some serious talent. Guys like Stalling Marte, Javier Baez, who we've just seen do it for longer, um, Position scarcity, second base category scarcity. You know, stolen bases, batting average early on in your draft as well. You're passing up on all that to get a great three-category player—home runs, runs, and RBIs—but realize he's going to give you nothing in batting average and nothing in stolen bases. And it's really hard to make up those categories in the mid rounds, Greg.
4: Yeah, it's it's hard, as you said. It's been an early-round pick and not get the categories that you need and make up for what Peter Pete Alonso gives you. I think at the home run, home runs are you going to find? Ultimately, with all the players we have named throughout today's show, you're going to find it. Peter Alonso, as amazing as he is, Frankie, does his deficiencies. Speaking of home runs, your boy, there's Venture. You can say nothing, a lot of things about him, but he nailed Josh Bell last year. He did. He absolutely destroyed this one with Josh Bell. He's my number nine-ranked third first baseman because the only other good player in his lineup is not that mm. Kevin Newman. It's Brian Reynolds, Safari Planet. Josh Bell had an awesome year last year. I know he struggled uh, towards the second half. Is he, he's not an active target of yours this year, despite the breakout last year. Yeah, I Come. think I think he is a fallback option
6: that you could actually get later than Paul Goldschmidt, right? So we called Paul Goldschmidt a fallback option, and he goes in the fifth, sixth round. And, you know, Josh Bell, you can get a round or two even later than Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, you know, I think he is kind of the cliff, right, where the tier ends... For with Josh Bell, and then the next tier starts with Reese Hoskins, and he's fine, but uh, obviously gonna hurt your batting average a lot more than someone like Josh Bell, who I think can hit, you know, around 270, 275. Uh, Last year, Greg was the tale of three seasons. Obviously, he got off to that phenomenal start from March through May. He hit 343 with 18 home runs uh, and OPS over 1100. June and July, Greg, two month span, hit 213 with nine home runs, and a 766 OPS. So really struggled there in the middle part of the season. And then August and September, kind of turned it back on, 258 batting average. Not great, but fine. Ten home runs with an OPS of 892, which that is pretty good. Uh, he claims that throughout the course of the season, he went from syncing up fastballs, Greg, to sinking up breaking balls. Mm -hmm. And here's a quote from Josh Bell. I feel like if you're not syncing up to the fastballs, you can't hit either. Sure. But once I started focusing more and more on all speed pitches, it just went downhill for me for a stretch of time. So it seems like he was focusing so much on trying to hit breaking pitches that he was then late on fastballs and vice versa. And he was just getting completely messed up. Uh, So obviously pitchers made an adjustment to him Will Josh Bell be able to make the adjustment back? That's why I do have some pause. He did some really nice things last year. He hit the ball extremely hard, 92.3 mile per hour average exit velocity, 96th percentile in baseball last year. Uh, and he is someone who we've said for years, Greg, that if he would lift the ball, he would hit more home runs. Like we said about Christian Yelich and a lot of players, he's obviously a very strong human being. He's a big boy, um, and he started lifting the ball last year. So he has to maintain just a lot of the strides that he made last year. And I'm just a little skeptical that he'll be able to maintain all of them. I still think he can be solid, 270, 28 to 30 home runs, 80 runs, 90 RBIs. It's not a great lineup. The Pittsburgh Pirates do not have a great lineup. It's not a great um, ballpark to hit in either. He's actually much better in OBP and head-to-head points. He has a great eye at the plate, great walk rate. Maybe I'm wrong about Josh Bell. Maybe he just picks up exactly where he left off last year and you know continues to get even better. But he made so many strides last year. I'm just a little skeptical that he'll be able to pick up all of those once again. I think he'll be solid, but again, just not an active target of mine.
4: Yeah, I, that, and that's fair. I, I think he's part of this first-base crew that I feel comfortable drafting. I think, like you said, he's going to be solid. Maybe he doesn't give you what he gave you for a lot of the year last year. Even if he does kind of bounce back into the performance that we saw. I'm fine with him. And it is only, like I said... That's the okay. word, right? For him and Goldsmith, fine. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah, I am. I am. Are you fine with Boo Boo Mancini? <laughs> oh, well,
6: he's another one too, man. Is he going to be able to keep up the career year that he had last year? Obviously, a great ballpark to hit in, in Camden Yards, and... Great division to hit in. Sure, Austin Hayes will be there some point, Frank. <laughs> Austin Hayes is going to be there opening day, Greg. Oh yeah, that's right. Congratulations. I love Austin Hayes too. I know. Reserve rounds. Fifth sure. outfielder, he's a young guy. I am in. fifth outfielder. Why not? <laughs> All right, he's a backup to our other fifth outfielder, which remains to be named right now. We will not reveal that Wh- information. Who is, who is it? Uh, I'll t- I'll text you. Check G-Chat. But uh, Trey Mancini last year, much like Josh Bell, someone who started to lift the ball last year, Greg, uh, for a long time, he hits the ball hard, but always hit the ball on the ground. Started hitting more line drives last year. The fly ball rate went up to 31%, which is still not great, but it's great compared to where he was at uh, in in past years. So he's a lot like Josh Bell. I have him ranked in the tier below him. I have Trey Mancini at 14, so I have him just behind Reese Hoskins, Miguel Sano, and Yuli Gurriel. I just think a lot went right for Trey Mancini last year. I think the home runs take a little bit of a step back. I don't think he comes close to 35 again. I think he's probably 20, 27. 28. Yeah. I think he's, you know, late 20s in home runs. Solid batting average, like a 275, 280 hitter. And however you want to project the counting stats for him, it's the Baltimore Orioles. It's not a great lineup. Look around him Austin Hayes, Renato Nunez, Anthony Santander. Uh, Crush Davis, the wrong Crush Davis, by the way. Maybe you get 80 runs, 80 RBIs. I just worry about the uh, the lineup around him, Greg. He's fine. He He's also like Josh Bell and Paul Goldschmidt, just a tier lower. I think I'm a little Not bit... Not really a target
4: of mine. I think I'm a little bit higher on Trey than, than you were. Actually, I know I am. It's, it's, it, it, it's just team rankings. context, you know? I understand the team context, but I think if you look at what he's literally done in the last three years, yes, the home runs are at 35. That's too high. He's probably closer to in between 25 and 30, but he gave you those home runs... Ooh, every year. 10. I think the, I think the average is closer to what you saw two of the last three years around that 290 number. I, I think that what you saw out of Trey Mancini outside of all of the, all of those home runs, I think it's pretty legitimate, man. What I will say about Trey Mancini is if you are somebody who
6: buys into what he did last year, then he is an absolute bargain for you, and you should be in on him and' on him. You know, either a late first baseman or a corner infielder or a utility bat, whatever it might be. Uh, if you buy what he did last year and you think he hits around 290 once again and you know approaches 30 home runs, and if he does all that, you know maybe the counting stats are actually all right in that ballpark. Uh, then he is a value for you. The thing is, I don't think that he gets to those numbers specifically, Greg.
4: No, oh, man, I. I think it's closer than than you might realize, or you might believe. I shouldn't say realize, Well, you might believe. Aiton trey Mancini a little bit higher on him, which is why I have him um at number 10 for me. We've talked about Max Muncie a lot on the show. I want to move past him. we talked about Miguel Sano. I didn't even rank him as a first baseman. we talked about him a lot. You
6: will have first base eligibility early in the season.
4: Okay. so we've talked about him a, a lot. I want to move over to some guys. We He's the best. haven't gotten He's just to the talk best. to you yet. Um, even on Carlos Santana. He was awesome last year. He's another one like Trey Mancini,
6: right? Coming Boom. off the career, career year, year. year. Yeah. And Carl Santana's a little, a little bit, bit older as yep. well. So you know, he has the breakout year. How old is he, Greg? If you have that information. Right, well, I think now he's now like thirty two, thirty-three years old. So it's just a weird time to be coming off a career year for Carlos Santana last year, which included him hitting two eighty one, thirty four home runs, a hundred and ten run scores. Insane. And eight and ninety three RBIs. He is he'll be thirty four years old. Thirty four years old. Ugh. Much better in points leagues. Look, oh my God. If you can get this guy in a points league at a discount because people see the name and they're reacting exactly how I'm reacting right now, like, oh, I don't want Carlos Santana. He is so great in points leagues. Put this in perspective. He was the seventh ranked first baseman in Roto. Still really good. Last year, number four. He was the fourth best first baseman in head to head points leagues. And he basically does that consistently, Greg. He walks a ton, he has great plate discipline. He's awesome for OBP leagues as well. Uh, his second half came back he's a little bit. He's the best
4: in points leagues. Man. He's so good in points leagues. I love leagues. Carlos Santana.
6: In the second half, Greg, we saw the batting average drop a little bit. Two sixty-two, eight fifty-five OPS, still really good. Um, two sixty-eight expected batting average last year, behind the two eighty-one batting average. That's better
4: average. than his entire career. two fifty
6: career hitter. Yeah. by the fact he's at two sixty-eight expected—that's awesome. I will say, like where he's going, it, it's fine. It's, it's awesome. In a points league. But, Greg, do you want him as your starting first baseman in a roto league? Ideally not. But in a points league, 100% do. Yeah. He really excels nowhere. At least when you talk about Pete Alonso and those guys, like they're going to excel in power. They're going to hit
4: 40 home runs. Yeah.
6: Would it surprise you if Carl Santana hits 250 with 26 home runs,
4: 85 runs,
6: and 85 RBIs, and nothing else? Like,
4: yes. He just he doesn't do anything else. It would, because if he does that, the average is going to be lower. It's going to be closer to 240. <laughs> it's true. Right. He's great in points Lee. I, I'm, I not, I'm him. not drafting Monroe. I love you, Carlos Santana. I I always will, man. Uh, other first baseman I have, we talked about Yuli Gurriel uh, before. I like Yuli Gurriel. I, I think he's I think he's a good player. Feel like you're How not... much do you buy into the power, Greg? Juice ball. Where would you set the over under for home runs?
6: Last year he hit 31, which was by far a career high. 24 home
4: runs. They a fair. I have a
6: projection there. written down here with 22 home runs. So you get the under. But also a 290 batting average and 85 ribbies. We're looking for average, are we not? Very good. You can find power. He is a fallback option at first base who gives you batting average, which you cannot say about a lot of players in this range, Greg. Speaking of guys that will
4: not give you batting average, let look at the power guys. Eddie E., Luke Voigt, Christian Waka. Look around.
2: In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to the Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio
3: app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time.
8: All
4: right, final few minutes here of the program. First-base preview. He's Frank. I'm Greg. Thanks for joining us here today. Frankie, I skipped over Reese Hoskins, I realized. We talked a lot about him this spring because, well, I like Reese Hoskins a lot. So, Franklin, why are you now backing off with my man a little bit? Well, I don't want to worry too much about spring training, but
6: like based on how he ended the year, Greg, second half hit 180, which was the lowest qualified batting average for any hitter last year in the second half of the Wasn't season. good. It was not good. Quite bad. A lot of strikeouts from Reese Hoskins. Trying to hit the ball in the air too much. Seems like he's kind of selling out for home runs. Uh, And so far here in the spring, he has a swing adjustment, Greg. He has a new swing. And he is 3 for 17 with 9 strikeouts. So I don't want to put too much stock into spring training. But based on the second half that he had last year, I would have liked to see something out of Reese Hoskins here throughout spring. But, Greg, if he can come anywhere close to the first half that he had last year, if he can re- repeat that for a full season, then he's absolutely a steal right now. Yep. Because everyone's looking at the second half, and I get it. But in the first half of the season, Greg, he had 263 with a 401 on-base percentage and a 530 slug with 20 home runs and 59 RBIs in the first half of the season. Obviously, mentioned the second half, his fly ball rate, balloon to 52%, Greg. I mean, he he was basically, it wasn't even three true outcomes. It was walk, strikeout, or flyout. It wasn't even home runs because he was just, you know, the launch angle was too high. He was trying too hard to hit home runs. So he just has to go back to doing what he does best, try to hit more line drives again, lower that launch angle a little bit because he's trying too hard to lift the ball. Um, his launch angle last year was number one in all of baseball. So, again, just trying too hard to lift there. Uh, and if he does that, I think he can hit two, uh, 250 35 home runs, really good counting stats, uh, because obviously gets on base a lot. Greg, uh, a 15% walk rate over the past three seasons, that is sixth best in baseball. He's better in OVP leagues, better in points leagues because of the on base percentage uh, and the walks, obviously. But I think you know comparable numbers once again to a Matt Olson. Not the same type of upside, but 35 home runs, 85 plus
4: runs, close to 100 ribbies, really good lineup, really good ballpark, Greg. All that is true. He plays every day. The batting average has to bounce back a little bit here, man. I, I think it has to. He's not a two twenty-six hitter. Right. I mean, if he continues to strike out as much as yeah.
6: he does and only hit fly balls, Greg, then... He is. And it might. You're right. It
4: might stay at a, around two twenty. That's the risk of Reese Hoskins. You're absolutely right. Going down a little bit further, or a lot further in this case, we get to Edwin Encarnacion, who has been the same guy for the last decade, Right. He's a guy his average is not going to be great, but he's going to hit a ton of power. Last year uh, for the Yankees and for the Mariners, batted 244, 34 bombs, 86 rubies, 81 runs scored, uh, played in just 109 games and still give you 34 home runs. He's hit 30 home runs at least in every year since 2012, Frank. But Pretty good. I get it. He's like 40. He's 37 years old. But much like Nelson Cruz, we've spoken about. There's really no sign of slowing down here. Like the Juice Ball, yeah, helping at 34 in just 109 games. But this is a guy that has legitimate 40 home run power that's going way later. So I have to ask why are we wasting, and not wasting, but why are we having a draft pick on Matt Olson? when way later we get Encarnacion and get similar numbers? It's
6: a fair question, and there's obviously more downside to Encarnacion at his age of 37 years old. Uh, There's obviously injury risk as well. He hasn't played much here in spring training and only played 109 games last year. So the obvious answer, Greg, is there's more downside someone like Matt Olsen, uh, who is much younger and you know obviously could be due for a career year this upcoming season. But I- I'm with you. I think another fallback option at first base, if you want power and someone who is obviously going to hurt your batting average, uh, then why not just wait on someone like Encarnacion, who I think is going to hit around 35 home runs. He's going to drive in probably close to 100 because that White Sox lineup, again, Jose Abreu, Moncada, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Encarnacion is going to be in the middle of, All of that. It's just a matter of how healthy can he be. And for anyone who thinks that it was just all aided by Yankee Stadium last year, he was actually better with the Mariners than he was with the Yankees. He hit 21 home runs in 65 games with the Seattle Mariners last year uh, and actually had a higher home run to fly ball ratio with them, a higher isolated power with the Mariners last year, and he still walks a ton as well. So even if you play in OBP or in a points league, I don't mind Encarnacion. You just have to bake in that. He's probably gonna miss at least thirty games, Greg, and that's the downside to Encarnacion. Okay, but where you're getting him, it still seems fine. Yeah, he's going later than anyone we've talked about yet.
4: And there's so much. Power. And where do you
6: have him? Because I have him at I have him at
4: sixteen. At
6: fourteen? But there's just a few players that you don't include in the ranks, right? Like lomehu Right. Okay. We probably have him in a similar
4: spot. Yeah, we probably we probably ultimately you have him behind Mancini, I Carlos do. Santana, I do. Yuli Gurriel. Right. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um. I mentioned a couple times on the show, Christian Walker and Luke Voigt. Which one of those two players would you rather have? So I actually have these guys back-to-back, and and they
6: start off the next tier for me. Really guys that I'd rather have as corner infielders than starting first baseman. Uh, And I do have Christian Walker one spot higher. Christian Walker is someone who last year, Greg, you look at the StatCast numbers. I mean, everything just pops off the page for Christian Walker last year. Uh, And he is somebody that... For years, we didn't know if he was just like a quad-A player. Is he someone that just dominates triple-A? But he hit 29 home runs in 152 games, 91 mile-per-hour average exit velocity, 85th percentile, 13.1% barrel rate, 90th percentile last year. In his career in the minors, 285 hitter, 839 OPS. I mean, I think that there is a lot to like about Christian Walker. And I think, frankly, Greg, he's just a little bit safer okay. in terms of injuries uh, than someone like Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt might have... Higher upside, because sure. obviously Yankee Stadium and hitting in that lineup. But uh, remember, Luke Voigt is coming off of core surgery. Uh, Christian Walker did stay healthy for 152 games last year. Uh, and it's a solid lineup out there in Arizona. And he projects to hit right in the middle of it as well. So I think someone who can hit you know, 250, 25 to 30 home runs, I think that's fair from Christian Walker.
4: I think everything you're saying kind of also describes Luke Like right? every, Like literally that entire stat line we just saw for Christian Walker. It could happen for Luke And the West.
6: upside is higher
4: for Luke Voigt.
6: I agree. I'm not going to dispute that. His swing is built for Yankee Stadium. Yes. He can go the opposite way. He hits yes. a ton of line drives. I just think that there's more downside there because
4: of the injury risk. All right. I'd rather, not take, I'd rather just take the upside, especially at this corner infield spot, especially at this price. Give me the higher upside with Luke Voigt than Christian Walker. Sure. You should reverse them. Nah. Come on. I trust Christian Walker more. No, you shouldn't. All right, let's move on. There's nobody else I really like, to be honest with you. There's no other first baseman that I like at all. Greg, tell us about Danny Santana. No! We've <laughs> done this already. Yes, has eligibility everywhere. Starting center fielder for the Texas Rangers announced. I know. Danny Santana. He's Nick Solak. That's it. Nick Gosh. Solak, super utility guy. Danny Santana is the everyday center fielder. So, come you on. don't want to talk about Eric Cosmer, Greg? I was mean, actually going to bring Eric Cosmer up because he stinks and don't draft him. All right, moving
6: on. I got him as my corner infielder in the great fantasy baseball. Why? Rotation. In a 15-team league. Why? He's Fine, Greg. What does he do well? That, that is the key word here. What does he do well? Fine. He hit 99 RBI last year. I mean, everybody has 99 RBI these days, right? Do they? He's hitting in the middle of a lineup that a lot of people like. San Diego yeah, he Potters. stinks.
4: He's just fine. Greg. He hit 22 homers with a juice ball despite playing every day. Well, because he hits too many ground balls.
6: Right. right. He's the next one, man. I, I will say this about Hosmer.
4: 56% I, ground
6: ball. He hits man. a lot of ground balls. 56%! Well, we've seen other guys that have that were stubborn about this in the past change. If he lowers it, if he lowers it to fifty percent, if he just lowers it to fifty percent, uh-huh. and he's a twenty-five home run hitter with likely two seventy
4: batting average, do you know the last hundred RBIs? Do you know the last time his ground ball percentage had been fifty percent? Probably never. Correct! Never. That fifty-six percent was down from the year prior. I know. He hits a lot of
6: He hits a lot of ground balls. He's not Greg. getting the 50%. In a 15
4: team league, no. he is fine as a corner. He's not. I He's disagree. Fine. He's bad. He's fine. We're not drafting him. Cut him off the list. We don't have to. You thought it was a sleeper?
6: Do you realize how the auction between Greg Sussman and myself has clearly become a dictatorship? I disagree. Why do you, why, all of a sudden, cross him off the list? Yeah. Eric Hosmer Nobody, off the
4: list. We don't, we only need fun players, Greg. That's, that would be ideal. Yeah. You know who was
6: a fun player last year? Ooh. Ramon Laureano, Greg. What happened there? You didn't want Ramon Loretto. I didn't. who's Ramon Loretto? He's the same R-Riano, one who I'm going to say, gonna, uh, you know, he, he's this year's Mauricio Dubon. Watch. Dubon's going to have a great year. Greg's like, oh, who's Mauricio Dubon? Uh, he, I don't even know what team he plays for. I don't. <laughs> I still don't remember,
4: to be honest with you.
6: San Francisco Giants, Greg. Uh, I don't think you want many Giants. Greg, who would you rather take? Last question regarding Eric Hosmer. Hosmer <laughs> or Daniel Murphy? I'd
4: rather have Daniel Murphy, but in Colorado. He doesn't play against left handed pitching. I'd rather have Daniel Murphy in Colorado. Who would ra- Who'd you rather have, Eric Hosmer or Will Myers? Greg would rather have Daniel Murphy than Eric Hosmer. Yes.
6: And he says no to every other boring player that I bring up here on just the so show. you know, I have Eric Daniel Hosmer. Murphy hit, like, 13 home runs last year. I do have
4: Eric Hosmer. You said
6: Eric Hosmer was bad in a juice ball year because he had 22 home runs. And Daniel Dan Murphy had 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 12. 12. In Colorado.
4: Just so 12, 12 you know, home runs! Just so you know, I answered that uh, with Eric Hosmer as my 18th ranked first baseman and Daniel Murphy at 22. So I would rather have Eric Hosmer.
6: You have Eric Hosmer ranked higher than I do! <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't have certain guys in here.
6: So in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I was debating between Eric Hosmer and Daniel what Murphy. What about and I took Eric Hosmer? Well, what about some of these other guys? Like Jesus Aguilar, Justin Smoke. Oh. No? no, I like Justin Smoke. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not doing the Jesus Aguilar thing. You liked
4: him last year, right?
5: Yeah.
4: Uh Justin Smoke in Milwaukee. You said he's gonna play every day. Or they might he might play every day.
6: It seems like he's gonna play every day with the
4: Milwaukee Brewers,
6: that's a good lineup. Uh, and that they're going to kind of split time in the outfield with Ryan Braun and Eviseil Garcia, your boy, <laughs> baby making <laughs> <Nigga, laughs> of course. Which doesn't bode well for Eviseil Garcia, obviously. No, not. Uh, but you know, look, that's what they're saying now. There's still a chance. You know, maybe against left-handed pitching, they use Ryan Braun at first base and they use Garcia in the outfield. But I think Justin Smoke, obviously going over to Miller Park, a ballpark that is so conducive to power for left-handed batters. And yes, Justin Smoke is a switch hitter, but most of his power comes from the left-hand yep. side. Um, look, we were just talking about Christian Walker hitting 250 with 25 to 30 home runs. Justin Smoke might be able to do that, and you get him like 100 picks later. So, as a fallback corner infielder, Greg, if you want to put him on the list for our auction, I have no problems with Justin Smoke. No issue with Justin Smoke. I'd rather have him as a corner. I'd player. rather have CJ Crone over both, but I like CJ Crow more as well. CJ Crow oh, is actually starting every day for Detroit. I lied. Uh, really? I just changed the rings
4: because I had Smoke one spot higher.
6: I have smoke so too low. Gotta, so now you know. I have CJ Krohn at 23 and Justin Smoke at 24.
4: All right, I'm going to move Justin Smoke up.
6: To- CJ Krohn, by the way, before we end the show, 55 yep. home runs over the last two seasons, hit 25 last year in only 125 games, and was sixth in baseball in barrel percentage. He's going to play every day with the Detroit Tigers, as long as he's with the Detroit Tigers. We'll see what happens with CJ Krohn.
4: Tomorrow, we wrap up the week with our catcher report. Good times. Uh, we'll do utility players, too. Make it more fun. Elsie Cruz. Miguel Andujar. Chris Davis with the Let's go! Where else up next? we do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope! Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic.
0: f1's newest fan is still a little
1: dazed and confused
0: join us for season two of choosing sides f1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports
1: who makes money here? what's cfd how do you manage a tire you get back in there what are the rumors what's the gossip but you also know that someone's listening to your radio Uh, i'm gonna pull up a picture of a tea cozy i want to see what this thing looks like are you gonna be doing that accent this whole pod
0: Listen to Season 2 of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
1: or wherever you get your podcasts, you find it.
2: I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida.
8: Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need.
2: In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to the Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio
3: app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time.